What is a sure thing? If you got to, you think about that for a minute. What is a sure thing that's absolutely going to happen? Last night, Nebraska and University of Miami played football. And for those of you who are a little older, you may remember that 30 years ago, they played for the national championships. It was January 1st, 1984, and uh, it was in the Orange Bowl, Miami, Florida. Miami was 11 or 10 and 1. They'd gotten shellacked the first game of the season, but they'd won their, their next 10 ball games. And then Nebraska was 12 and 0. They had steamrolled everybody. People were already saying that they were potentially the team of the century, the greatest team in the last 100 years. So really it was a sure thing. I mean, they were going to play the ball game, but Nebraska was going to win and, and going to be the national champions. Miami beat them 31 to 30. The sure thing did not happen. When I was growing up, all the old people said there's only two things in life that are sure, and that's death and taxes. I want to give you another thing this morning that is sure, and that's the Bible. That's the Word of God. We're looking at finding God's will for your life, your greatest discovery. And I've said this uh, every week after becoming a Christian and then learning how to pray and, and how to read your Bible, getting involved in church, the next most important thing that's going to determine your, your effectiveness, your joy level, your success in life is you finding the many different areas in your life, God's will, His plan for your life, and you following it. Next week, we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit guides, which will be crucial. But this morning, we're going to look at the foundation for God's will for your life and mine, and that is the Bible. I'm going to begin with this because this lays a little foundation for, for the Bible. Number one, the Bible is perfect. The Bible is perfect. Maybe you've been in church and you've heard that. Uh, maybe you've not been in church and you need to hear this. I'm going to use a lot of scriptures today, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Psalms and Psalms 119 could be a place you, you could go to. But in Psalms 12 verse 6, listen to what it says and write these down uh, if you're, you have a pen and paper. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. The word flawless literally means pure. It means unadulterated. Folks, the Bible what the Bible is, is it is the perfect Word of God. It's not been diluted like a mixed drink. A mixed drink, whether sometimes you just think that's alcohol, but you can have a mixed drink of lemonade and tea. That's called an Arnold Palmer, I think. What it says about the Bible is it is the straight thing. It is undiluted. It is nothing else is mixed in there. It is, it is the complete truth is what the Bible says about itself. In Psalms 19, verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Now, when God spoke through David there and he says the word law, he's talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. But that word law is bigger than that. It literally means doctrine or teaching. So what he's saying here is the word of God itself is perfect. For us, that's the full Bible. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says all scripture Genesis through Revelation, all Scripture is God-breathed. It is perfect. It's trustworthy. It's permanent. Folks, no laws, at least in America, are, are ever perfect and never, never are adjusted. In my lifetime, I've watched the interstate laws. When I was a little kid, you could go 75 on the interstate. And then 
For whatever reason, it went to 55. Boy, driving 55 on the interstate was horse and buggy. I mean, it was terrible. It was terrible. That's when the, uh, the radar detectors became very popular, I, I think. So you could speed. Well, now, it, it depends on what state you're in. Louisiana, the interstates are 70. In Texas, there's places there's 75. I know in Texas, it used to be it was 70 in, in day and 65 at night. It's kind of confusing. It's like the drug laws. Folks, there are drug laws today don't exist where the same things, if you would have been caught with those drugs 20 years ago, you'd have done 10 years in prison. Now in Colorado, you can buy some of them free. The laws of the land change. The laws of God do not. So when we talk about God's will for your life, where you have got to begin with is the Bible. Uh, some verses that you really need to know are 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Listen to what he says, above all. Above all. In other words, you've got to get this. You have to be right on this. Above all, understand no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Hold that there for a second. Sometimes when I'm talking to people about something in the Bible... They'll say, well, that was Paul's view. And by the way, Paul, he didn't, you know, he was a male chauvinist pig. He didn't like women. Or they'll say, well, that's what, that's what Peter thought, or that's what James thought. We just want to go to the teachings of Jesus. Well, the teaching of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are absolutely perfect, but the whole Bible's the teaching of Jesus. The whole Bible's the perfect word of God. In other words, what he's saying here is that all Scripture is not some man's invention. In verse 21, look at this. It says, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, the preacher or the prophet, but they spoke as they were carried along, led by the Holy Spirit. So what does God want? for my life, it, it begins with the Bible, and the Bible is a perfect God. That's real, real, real important, okay? Now, here's the second thing this morning. Any place the Bible speaks, it reveals God's will for your life. Any place it speaks, it reveals God's will for your life. Psalms 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. I want you to go back in your mind with me 4,000 years ago. You didn't have electricity. You, you didn't have flashlights. You didn't have car lights. And so, if you, especially if you lived out in the country, when, when it was a cloudy night, you couldn't see anything. And if you had to travel, your torch or your candle, was it could be life and death, whether you stepped on a copperhead or not, whether you fell off a cliff or not. It was life and death. Listen, the Bible is not primarily some doctrinal theological book to argue about. It is a practical book for you and I to live by. Isn't that great? It's a perfect book meant to be a guide for our lives. So that's, that's a great and very, very important place to camp out on and to understand. Now, here's another thing that's real important, too, and I want to explain this to you if it sounds a little confusing. The Bible is perfect, but it's not exhaustive. It's not exhaustive. What do, what do, I, mean, what do I mean when I say that? Well, I've heard people say the only thing you ever need is the Bible. Now, I agree. If I was on a, uh, a, you know, castaway Tom Hanks and I'm on a deserted island, I probably want a book on how to make a boat and, uh, and my Bible. But, you know, if, if I was going tomorrow to have sur brain surgery and the doctor said, well, I didn't graduate from medical school, but I know the book of Psalms pretty good, I wouldn't be real comfortable with that, would you? 
you know, we're getting ready, hopefully in, in a few years, to build some new buildings. And when we get ready to, to, to put that building together, I would rather an electrical engineer had designed the, uh, the electrical side of that building and uh, electricians were putting it in than Josh and me. Amen? I mean, it wouldn't go well. I can promise you it wouldn't. The Bible is perfect in everything it addresses. What is the primary function of the Bible? The primary function of the Bible is to show us God. It's to show us God. It's to show us how to connect to God. It's to show us what God is like. It's to show us how to become a Christian, how to live as a Christian. It's a book to comfort us and to, to help us and to help us live life the best we can. It's a, it's a book that gets us ready to die. It's a book that's there to comfort us and help us when people do die. See, the Bible is, its main function, it's tremendously, it's nothing's more important. It's to help us to relate to God and to know God. But it's not exhaustive. So that's why next week we're going to look, and, and, which is going to be crucial, at the Holy Spirit in leadership decisions. I read this morning in my own prayer time and Bible study time, in John 16, Jesus was leaving. He knew he was going to leave them a Bible, but he said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to live in you, to be your counselor, your comfort, your teacher, and your guide. We're going to look at that next week. So the Bible's not exhaustive, but I'm going to go back to this. It's totally authoritative in everything it addresses. Let me give you an example. The Bible's not primarily a science book, when it's, but, but when it says something about science, it's accurate. When, the Bible's not primarily a book trying to teach us ancient history, but anything it says about history, it's accurate. But, but more importantly for you and me today... When the Bible gives you directions on who you should marry and who you should not marry, it's authoritative. When the Bible gives you directions on how you are to be in your marriage, and it does, it's authoritative. When the Bible tells us how to live morally and ethically, it is authoritative. When it tells you what kind of young person or what kind of old person you are to be, it is authoritative, and everything it addresses, it speaks with authority and clarity, okay? Now, here's the biggie to this morning. It's not the last point, so don't get excited, but this is huge. God's never going to lead you against his word. If you don't get anything this morning, get this. God is never going to lead you against the Bible. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit and God. God is the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. God the Spirit is never going to lead you in your heart to get something that's in the written word. Say amen to that. Psalms 119.4. You have laid down precepts that are to be obeyed. Precepts means principles are commands given from a greater to a lesser that we are to live out. Here's some of the biggest mistakes I've ever seen in Christians and churchgoers' lives is they will hide behind or you try to use authoritatively, God told me, God said this, God spoke to me, and it contradicts the Bible. God never will do that. I want to give you some examples. That's probably the best way I can show you this morning. And before I give these examples, let me say this. Most of us in here who are a little bit older have all violated this principle. 
We've disobeyed the Word of God. We have. So my purpose is not to kick you or to kick me. I I love the old saying, you can't unscramble scrambled eggs, right? Just put pepper on them and eat them, right? Don't gripe about it. Don't whine about it. Just eat those things. You're not going to put them back in the shell and, you know, it. When you scramble them, Jason, it's done, right? Tell Laura to make the biscuits and slap them down. You can't unscramble the scrambled eggs. So where you violated God's laws, confess it to God. Get it right with other people if you need to. But the purpose of this is not to kick yourself. The purpose of this is to help you and me moving forward to live under this guideline, okay? Let me give you a couple examples of stories. Paul Cho uh, is probably retired now, but he used to be the pastor of the biggest church in the world in Seoul, Korea. This church is so big, one year they baptized 100,000 people. 100,000 people. Isn't that incredible? I mean, that's, that's Lincoln Parish times two and a half. Paul Cho said one time he had a deacon, a man who was active leader in his church, come to him and say, Dr. Cho, and he brought this woman with him who wasn't his wife, said, Dr. Cho... Her and I have been praying, and God is leading us to divorce our spouses and to marry each other. And Dr. Cho said after he woke up, you know, he fainted, that he said, who is leading you to do this? And they, he said, they said, God is leading us to divorce our spouses and to marry one another. And he says, God is not leading you to do that. Lust is leading you to do that. Selfishness is leading you to do that. But God is not. Well, they, they went ahead. They violated what he said, what God's Word said. They married. It was a complete train wreck. God is not going to lead you against his Word. Okay? Uh, one time I preached a sermon on sharing your faith. And I challenged people. Many years ago, I said, you need to go and you need to tell people about Christ. You need to be an ambassador to Jesus. You're about the Great Commission. That is a call on your life to be a witness for Christ. And I had someone come up to me after church, and they literally said this to me. They said, Chris, I used to be real burdened about sharing my faith and telling the people about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit, God told me that I didn't have to do that anymore, that all I had to worry about was my family, and I didn't have to worry about anybody else. And, and I'm the greatest in the world at coming up with a comeback two hours later. Are any of you like that? You know, someone says something, and you're just like, and then two hours later, it's like, oh, man, I could have knocked out punch. Not literally, but I mean verbally. You know, and, and I'm thinking of all these things. I just wish I would have said nicely, man, that is so awesome that God is telling you to do something that he's told everybody else to do, but you don't have to do it. And you know what? God told me last week that if I want to have an affair on Cindy, I can do that too, and that's okay. He's exempted me from that. That would have got a response, wouldn't it? She'd have called Cindy, and I would have been murdered that afternoon. God is not calling me to share my faith and for you to sit on your hands. It's in the Bible, friend. It's in the Bible. Everybody in here knows Beyonce, don't they? I told them this week when they are looking for pictures, I said, please find a decent picture. In the first service, I said, y'all know Beyonce? I said, your grandkids do. <laughs> Did you know this? Beyonce professes to be a devout Christian. Did did, did y'all know that? I didn't didn't know that. And she's been asked, okay, uh, 
why do you say a lot of things you say in songs? And why do you shake parts you shouldn't shake in public? And why do you dress ways you shouldn't dress in public? And she said, it's just entertainment. God doesn't care. And her pastor in Houston, Texas, this summer was interviewed and asked about that. I imagine she gets a lot of money, so he's got to be careful what he says. So I'm just joking. I shouldn't have said that. But, I mean, he, he, he completely wimped out too. He said, oh, that's just entertainment. God doesn't care about that. God does care about that. Now, listen, I'm not kicking her. I don't know her, and none of you do. Any of you know her? You got her cell number? then you don't judge her either, okay? I, I'm not going to judge her. I don't know. I, but I can say this, that, that it's not God's will for you or me by entertainment to be vulgar, vile, and sexually uh, illicit. It is not. You don't have to pray about it. It's not God's will. It's not God's will. Several years ago, about 10 years ago, a, a denomination that's, that's well-known worldwide, I, I'm just not going to mention the name this morning, announced that they were going to begin to ordain gay ministers, gay bishops, gay priests. And when they were confronted with it, what they said was, well, we've evolved in our understanding. We believe in Scripture, but we believe in reason, and we believe, we believe in our our doctrine and our teaching and we've prayed about it and we feel the Holy Spirit is leading us in this direction. I want to tell you something. God's not leading in that. Now I'm not, if you're struggling with homosexuality, you're in the right place this morning because we're going to love you just like if you're struggling with fornication or pornography or adultery, you're in the right place. We love you. But you know what? It's sin. I mean, it'd be the same thing of us saying, okay, well, we're gonna, we got a new minister coming up here. We want him to be a minister in our church. Now, he has a wife and three girlfriends. Y'all are okay with that, aren't you? We prayed about it, and God said that's okay. It's not okay. The penalty in the Old Testament for saying that God told you to do something, and it wasn't true, you know what the penalty was? It was death. That's how serious it is. So if you miss everything else this morning and you get this, the Holy Spirit, God is never going to lead you against the Bible. And if you decide, man, listen, I have seen this over the last 30 years. People say, preacher, I know that the Bible says this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, that's fine. I'll give you Brandon's number because you're going to need a lot of counseling in the days ahead. You're fixing to mess up your life if you just violate God's standards. God's will will never go against his word. Okay, so here's the last thing. First and foremost, to be in God's will, obey the book. Obey the book. Don't pray about whether it's God's will when it's clear in the book. Pray for the courage to do what's in the book. Now, number one, you've got to pour it into your heart. Psalms 119.11 he says, thy words I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Someone said the Bible is the most read book or the most bought book and the least read book. That's probably true. We have them. I mean, goodness gracious, if you've got an iPhone or an iPad, or uh, you, you can pull up 15 translations of the Bible just like that. 
But you, you've got to read it. You've got to hear it. You've got to memorize it. I, you know, Baptists, we're crazy. We have Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, discipleship, Wednesday night, Bible studies during the week. But you know what? It probably wouldn't hurt us to come up here every day and to get some Bible dumped into us, would it? Because the world's dumping in everything else all the time. Get the Word of God in you. Matthew 4, 4. Listen to this verse. This is Jesus. Jesus says it written, Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was saying, Man, my life is directed by the Word of God. So you got to pour it in, and then lastly, you just got to do it. you got to do it. Psalms 119.4. One more time. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Precept, again, what does this little word mean? It means command or principle. It means an order issued by an authoritative person to a person of a lesser statue. It is God to us. The Bible are words to be obeyed. They're, they're, they're words for instruction for life. So let's go back and let's get really hardcore practical. You're saying, well, I'm dating this person. And, and I think, you know, God's leading me to marry them. And they're not a Christian, but it's going to be okay. God's not leading you to marry someone who's not a Christian. He's not. Now, once you marry them, guess what? It's a done deal. <laughs> You've immediately become in God's will. And some people go, well, I'll just marry them and it'll be God's will. Go ahead and do that. Now, you can make it work, but it's going to be tougher. And, and, and if you're married today, again, we're not kicking the past because the past is the past. We're trying to live in the future and be ready for today. And you're in a marriage, and you go, oh, you know, I'm unhappy, and that other person's cute, and that other person's nicer than my spouse or what. And I think God may lead me to divorce them. Unless there's adultery or there is physical danger, you guys, God's not going to lead you just to up and leave them. I want to be happy. Happiness is found in being in God's will, not in chasing the next person. And in your marriage, yes, we need marriage counseling. We need marriage seminars. We need marriage book. But we need to go by the book. We need to follow the Bible. Ladies, you hate this. I understand. It says that you should follow your husband. They go, ugh. Well, I don't really think that applies anymore, Pastor. Yeah, whatever. You probably don't think tithing does either, do you? But see, here's what it says to men. It says that men are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Man's supposed to be willing to die for his wife. All you got to do is make us think that you're following us and we'll be happy. We're dumb. We are not smart. Amen, guys? If you make us think that you're following us, we will be satisfied. Yeah, he's the leader. <laughs> but if we think we are, we're good. <laughs> well, I'm a Christian, you know, and I, I have an affair every now and then, or, or I'm single. You know, everybody's sexually active. As long as you don't have full intercourse, it's not sex anyway. Uh, maybe what Bill Clinton says, but that's not what the Bible says. I wasn't even trying to be funny. You see, you go, well, should I be a Christian meth dealer? Uh, no. And some of you go, oh, that's so stupid. But some of you are in businesses that are righteous, but you cheat people. You, 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 you do your competitors wrong. 
you overcharge, you, you, you underdeliver, and all that is biblically wrong. You don't have to pray, God, should I be a low-life skunk in my business? No, you shouldn't. See, what the Bible says, it says authoritatively and it says clearly, that is God's will for your life and my life. And if you get nothing else today, you cannot violate the Bible and be in God's will. Years ago, Washington, D.C., a security guard was trying to apprehend a thief. And he grabbed the thief, and, and when the thief swung around, the guard didn't see it, but he had a knife in his hand. And he stuck the security guard, who had a coat on, right in the chest. I mean, dead center, right at the heart. Well, the guard hit the ground. The... The crook ran off and was, thank goodness, later apprehended. And he dropped the stuff he tried to steal, too. And the cool thing was is the security guard got right back up. He wasn't even bleeding. When he opened his coat, what, what he had inside his jacket that day was he had a Bible, much like this, but it would have been smaller. This is a, this is a Bible with its wooden hard for y'all to see, instead of leather or, or bonded leather, it's, it's, it's wood on both sides. This came from Jerusalem many, many, many years ago. And he had a little wooden New Testament right here in his pocket that covered his heart. And the blade was so strong and it was, it was stuck with such force it actually penetrated the first layer of wood and went into the Word of God, but did not penetrate the second level. Hence, his little Bible had saved his life. Is the moral of that story for you to get a wooden New Testament and carry it in your... <laughs> Maybe. But let me, let me give you the deeper lesson there. When you take God's Word, God's perfect Word, and you put it in your head and your heart and you live it out, if you are protecting yourself, man, you're protecting your marriage, you're protecting your home, you're protecting your kids, you're, you're protecting your life. You are laying the foundation for being in God's will in, in, in every area that he's going to guide you in. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian... There may be some repentance that needs to take place right now. Some confession and some coming back to God for some ways that, that you and I have, have blown it in this area. Certainly a commitment to living out God's Word. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian this morning, would you pray with me? And would you say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner and I want to turn from my sins I believe you're God's son and that you died for me and that you arose for me Jesus come into my heart this morning and save me today Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand in a moment. 
And when we do, maybe you just pray today and ask Christ in your heart. Or maybe you're ready to do that. When we stand, would you come today? Would you come and, and, and give your life to Christ? Let one of our ministers help you with that. Maybe you're here this morning and you would like to join our church family. We would love for you to. And one way you can do that when we stand is you can come down. We'll help you join this morning. We'd love for you to. Is God leading you to do that? Do it today. Christian. All of us who are Christ followers, maybe it'll be where you're standing or maybe it needs to be at the altar. There needs to be some repentance for where we've blown it. We violated God's word. Maybe today God's hand is on you and there's an area in your life that you need to obey God today. Or maybe you just need to say in a blanket way, God, I'm going to pay attention to your word from this point on. And when it's clear, God, I'm going to follow it 100%. Let's stand as God leads us. As God leads you, you come this morning. We'll be down here waiting.